Hey, good evening, Crossroads. How is everybody this evening? Doing well? We have an awesome evening planned for you. Thank you for joining us. Um, and welcome to our online family as well. If you don't know me, my name's Justin, so join me in prayer. All right, Father, thank you, Lord. Just thanks for this day. Thanks for this church, this time that we have together, Lord, um, just to worship and to, uh, to hear your word, Lord. We just are grateful for the uh, message that we're going to hear tonight. Just ask that our minds and our hearts be open to it, Lord. We just thank you so much. We praise you. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. All right, so we have a really special uh, program for you all planned this evening. These are our Promised Land children, and they are going to be presenting to you a wonderful program. Red, Joyce, Connie, get in here. There's a story breaking. I can feel it in my bones. Sure, there's a story. Bethlehem is packed with ex-sisters of David coming here to do taxes and to be counted. Yeah, the roadies are congested. Donkeys. Animals, walkers, it's tough to find a parking spot. That's not all that's tough to find. I saw no vacancy signs in every inn window. Phew, I'm glad I'm a permanent resident of Bethlehem and not a traveler. I'll bet some folks are going to find themselves out in the cold. They'll wish they had called for a reservation. No, no. That's not what I'm talking about. Sure, that's big news, but I'm convinced there's really big news. Now, I've got a hunch, and you're going to see if my hunch is correct. Now, get going. But where? Everywhere, Fred. You go to the stables. Ask the shepherds if they've seen anything funny or unusual in the last 24 hours. Joyce, you go to the local inn's interview. They're always up to the latest events. Connie, you go poke around town. Talk to some strangers. Check the marketplace. And do it now. My hunches usually pan out. I feel like there's a story out there, and I want to see it on page one of Bethlehem Times before I see it in the Tribune. Man, I always get the acro business assignments. Check with the Seppers. What would that do? They'll probably wasn't their flocks by night. Hey you, yeah you, I'm from, from the Bethlehem Times. I wonder if I can ask you a few questions. Hey, don't be afraid. That's not the first time I heard that in the last 24 hours. What do you mean? You won't believe what happened last night. Sure I will. Try me. Well, we were out here watching over our flock by night. That figures. When an angel of the Lord appeared to us and the glory of the Lord was shining all around us, we were really afraid. You're kidding. See, I told you you won't believe it. No, no, go on. I want to get this all down. Well, I'd rather all down in my secret than put the Bible up for it. Anyway, we are afraid. The said a Savior who is Christ the Lord is born in the city of David. The, the angel said we find the baby wrapped up in lion in a manger. Wow, the chief was right. Did you go to the manger? Can you take me? Where's stars, guys? I can remember it. Guys are here watching. I'll take you to the manger. Street detail. All I ever get is street detail. This door-to-door -door stuff is for the birds. 
Boy, I didn't realize that there were so many inns in Bethlehem, and all of them were full. So far, I'm drawing a big zero. But here's my last one. It looks pretty full, too. I'll see if this innkeeper knows anything. Uh, sir, excuse me? Uh, no room, no room. I tell you, there's no room. Didn't you see the no vacancy sign on the window? The salesman told me that the flashing lights would do the trick, but he didn't see it. 20 denarii down the drain. Yes, sir. No, sir. I mean, I did see your sign. I'm not looking for a room. I'm from the Bethlehem Times, and I want to ask you a few questions. Oh, really? Did you bring a photographer? Are you writing an article on Claudians? Would you like my picture by the mantle or at the registration desk? I just wondered if you noticed anything last night. Anything unusual? Well, now that you mention it, last night was not your typical evening. There were so many people in Bethlehem while I was turning them away left and right, telling them, Next time, call for reservation. I turned away at least 20 people after I asked Oh, yeah, then there was that one young couple. She was a great witch child. Sweet-looking young lady, real sweet. Yes, what about them? Oh, I let them go to the stable. I'm not an ogre, you know. Um, I let them go to the stable. Anyway, I let them go to the stable just outside the inn. I guess they did, and that wasn't all. There was a, re- uh, uh, a big ruckus. Late last night, not really a ruckus, I guess. It was actually a beautiful sound, like, well, like angels singing. That, then there was some unbelievable bright light, too. Now I remember, I woke up and my whole room was as light as noonday. Thank you, thank you. I'll just run next to me and see if the young couple heard the sounds and saw the light. Wow, angel singing, bright light. I think I've made you hit on something. I guess you can call him my guide. He's already been here once. I have a funny feeling that the chief's hunch was right. Me too. I sure hope so. This is the last stop on my street beat. that told the shepherds a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. I'll never be the same. Let's get back and tell the chief. This is a great story to tell. She should run it on page one of Bethlehem. This is the greatest story ever told. I don't know if I can follow that real well. (laughs) Thanks, Promised Land, again, and the kids for all of their hard work. What a fantastic... Fun thing. <laughs> that is so fun. They did such a great job. Um, welcome to Crossroads, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. My name is Dion, um, and I have the privilege of being able to um, give the message tonight. Uh, we're celebrating Christmas. You know, I, I think it kind of feels official once the kiddos are up here um, doing what they do, and I just absolutely love being able to watch them. It you know, for me, it reminds me when my kids were doing Christmas programs here um, back in the day. We've been here for a while, so that's a lot of fun. Um, but we are, we are preparing for Christmas. Um, we have been 
Uh, in our series called Bah Humbug, we have been getting ready for the Christmas season um, using the popular novel and movie by Charles Dickens called A Christmas Carol. Um, we've been doing that as we have kind of been walking through the last several weeks. What we've been doing is using uh, his lesson, using his background, using the story to be able to examine our own lives, how we approach Christmas, how we approach life in general. Um, and so what we've been doing is for the last few weeks is we've been taking a look at our Christmas in the past, um, examining our own past, examining um, our present, the present time that we're in right now. Um, and then, of course, what we're going to be doing tonight is taking a look at our future and in Christmas future. Um, over, over the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, looking at this slide just to kind of help us bring into our minds what we're talking about. If, if you're just joining us or if you've missed the last few messages, you can catch them on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. Um, but just to kind of break down, you know, what Bah Humbug means, what is the Scrooge? And I think most of us are pretty familiar with that, um, that uh, Ebenezer Scrooge was the main character of the story in A Christmas Carol. And so popular by his negative attitude about Christmas and the entire holiday season that his, uh, his phrase, Bah Humbug, which basically means it's an expression of contempt or disagreement. It's a person who just is almost, can't stand the fact that other people are enjoying the Christmas season. So to him, it was a bah humbug. Um, and so that's what we've been looking, that's what we've been looking at. And then next week, we're going to look at um, how, if, uh, if, and how Scrooge actually changed after examining his own past and his own present and looking at his future. But Scrooge is a person, you know, he was this miserly, hard-hearted man. In the story, he basically owned a, a, a lending agency. Um, he had a business partner. His name was Jacob Marley, just to kind of bring us up to speed um, if we're unfamiliar with the story. But his business partner had died seven years prior. And so one night on Christmas Eve, uh, the ghost of his business partner, Jacob Marley, visits him. He visits him to warn him that Scrooge is on the same path that he was on, and he wants to warn him of what his eternal future is going to look like if he doesn't change his ways. See, during their, and during their um, conversation together, when Marley was talking about how horrible his eternity was and how he treated people, Marley, or Scrooge told him, he said, it was just business. And that's when Marley tells him, you don't understand, mankind is our business. And that really is the truth, is that mankind, how we treat people, compassion and love and mercy and all of these things really is the business of each and every person. And because of this, because of all the years that, that Marley had spent prioritizing business, prioritizing financial gain over human compassion, he knew the future that awaited Scrooge. He knew that his future was going to be a miserable future, bound in chains to wander the earth with no rest. So his, what he does is he sends three ghosts to visit Scrooge to kind of help him in this process. Um, he is visited by the Christmas um, or the ghost of Christmas past, where he is able to see the past decisions that he had made that brings him into the future that he had or the present that he has now. Um, he uh, sent the ghost of Christmas present, and then he will send the ghost of Christmas future, which is what we will be talking about tonight. 
Now, to be honest with you, um, I was thinking about this, and it was what I kind of came to mind was, why didn't he just send the ghost of Christmas future? I mean, if his future was really what was so important, why did he even bother with sending ghosts from Christmas past, Christmas present? Why was that even such a big deal? But what I realized is that in order for us to be able to change the course of our own future, we have to review the past. We have to go back and take a look at the choices that we made back then and those that we continue to make now, um, the choices that are ultimately going to impact our future. And not just our future, but the future of those that we engage with and those that we're around. Whether we're talking about next month and next year, the, the, the next 10 years, and especially inside of eternity. And I'm pretty confident that for all of us, we can probably look into our, our own past and see things that we wish we could change. Um, we know the phrase all too well, hindsight is 2020. Um, that does happen. And to me, I know for in my own life, some of the worst pain in this life is knowing that we had a chance to change things but never took it. And so now we might be suffering some of the consequences of not doing that. And so the question I want to ask you guys, because I had to face this question myself, is if you were given a chance to see into your future and to see what happens, would you take it? Would you take it? Would you? I wouldn't. I'm, like, terrified. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I, I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but I don't think I want to know you know, I, I guess I'm just fearful of, you know, bad things, right? You know, not that I'm all rainbows and sunshine, but, you know, because we just never know what we, what we might find. So here's the thing. Scrooge in the movie was given the chance to see his future. Um, he was given the chance to see where his own past choices that were actually driving the driving force in his life at that moment. Um, he was able to see the pain of a, of a lost relationship um, the fact that his singular passion for wealth that consumed him, that if he were to continue in his course, that his future would be set. So as promised, Jacob Marley um, sends the third and final ghost, the ghost of Christmas future, and he's given a scene that shows his own death um, and how people feel at his death if he were to continue to live as he had been. We're actually going to um, take a few minutes to watch a video clip from this. Um, for those who are joining online, we're going to take a break for just a second, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Hmm. That's a little difficult. I mean, it's, it is tragic to see having him watch basically how people are responding to his life. You know, he's not told up front that, this is, that they are talking about him, but you know he knows. You know he knows. You know, and, and for us, you know, we, we're taking a look at the fact that, you know, this is, that what we're seeing is the ghost of Christmas future is giving Scrooge a potential, a picture of his potential future. Um, now, the question is, is that, you know, we don't, we don't get ghosts who are going to come tell us. I mean, there, there are no ghosts that are actually going to come tell us what's going to happen to, in our future. But we can know our possible future. 
Biblically speaking, we have everything right in front of us through our Bible from God to tell us what our potential future may look like. And so over the last few weeks, we had actually been learned a little bit more about Charles Dickens' life. As a child, he had to work to support the family after his father basically brought the family to financial ruin, um, getting them into debt. And so the father was in prison for debt, and so Dickens had to work as a child. So he's got... You know, in his story of A Christmas Carol, you definitely can tell he's, he's kind of got skin in the game. He understands the nature of what's going on here. And so for Scrooge, because of that lack of money, um, his character found security and wealth. Now, Jesus gives us in the book of Luke a picture of a potential future as well. He's talking, um, he's talking to us about the, the guard that we need to keep on our own hearts and our own lives against all covetousness or the desire to, to have what other people want, that always wanting more. And he says that one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I don't know if you guys remember um, back in, well, I don't know, back in the 80s, maybe it might still be popular now, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Well, Jesus is telling us that is absolutely not true. It's absolutely not true. He said, and he uses a parable to teach the story. He talks about a land or a man who was very wealthy. He had land that was very abundant. And so he had stored all of his extra food and supplies and crops inside of, inside of these storage barns. Well, he had so much of abundance that he's asking himself, he says, well, you know, I have nowhere to store my crops. What am I going to do with all this stuff? So he's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down what I have and I'm going to build bigger ones. You know, like, like those nice two-story ones they have in the Home Depot parking lot. Um, <laughs> I kind of like those. Um, but he says, I'm going to build bigger, bigger storage sheds so I can store all my grain and all my goods and then I'm just going to be able to sit back, relax, kick up my feet. Everything's good. I'm, I'm secure. I don't have to worry about anything. Eat, drink, and be merry. But we see an ending here where it says here, God says to him, fool, this very night your life is required of you. You have prepared all of these things, but who will they go to? Whose will they be? He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And see, that is Jesus's point. That's really our lesson in the Christmas carol. That's really the lesson of what our priorities are, what is so um, important. See, money really isn't the issue. God doesn't have a problem with money. God doesn't have a problem with material possessions. It's what we choose to do with it, how we treat it, how we look at it. It's our dependency on it. And to be perfectly honest, I don't know if you guys noticed, but this country, technically speaking, is plagued with wealth. It may be, you know, unbalanced in certain situations, but compared to other countries, this is a very rich country. We have so much stuff that we have to rent storage sheds to put our stuff in when there's no more room in the garage. So, I mean, we can kind of understand what's going on there, but the, the real tragedy of all of this is the fact that as a nation, we are also plagued with apathy, with apathy towards others, towards our eternal future. And see, the thing is, is it, as far as our, our possessions and things, it's okay to plan. It's okay to stock up on things. In fact, it's wise to do it. You know, we live in a world, we never know what's going to happen. So there is wisdom in being prepared for the future. It's just coming down to what the motive is in our being prepared. 
And now as Scrooge will learn, all of his wealth, everything that he's worked so hard for is completely temporary. And that its only value comes with what we choose to do with it. Um, are we going to hoard it for ourselves? Or are we going to use it to change the future of other people? This is true of money. This is true of our time. This is true of other possessions that we have. And so, again, we're going to take a little bit of time tonight to kind of take a look at what our motive is in all of this. And so over the last few weeks, um, as we have run through this series, our very first message, um, we had four, Brad um, gave us four questions to be able to look at. Um, each question was really meant for us to kind of take them home and, and just be able to evaluate and examine and some, spend some time on our own just asking these questions of ourselves and being able to, as we prepare, as we prepare for Christmas, um, so some of the questions that were um, in the first week was, what are some of the things that happened in our past that shaped who we are now, for better or for worse? Um, what are some of the things in our past Christmases that kind of dictate how we handle Christmas now? Um, past uh, relationships, past decisions that we've made that really are shaping who we are. And like I said, this could be for better or for worse. Um, the second one is, what are some things in your present circumstances that control you? Um, what are some of the things, whether we realize it or not, our worldview, how we look at the world, um, especially right now politically speaking, everything that's going on in Israel, all the stuff that's going on, how we think about it, how we respond to it, is it controlling us? How is it controlling us? habits that we have? Um, are we working with unforgiveness, a lack of unforgiveness in our lives? Um, is that controlling us? Or maybe even unrealistic expectations that we put on ourselves or maybe that we put on other people. The third one that we're actually going to be talking about tonight is what will our future look like if you change nothing about yourself? Oh, and the questions are actually in your um, bulletin insert. Uh, thanks for your grace tonight, guys. Um, what will your future look like if you change nothing about yourself? That is a very, very powerful question. The fourth one, which will be more for next week, we'll just kind of tiptoe into it a little bit tonight, is what might your preferred future look like, assuming you make some changes? See, if you remember in the video clip, Scrooge asked a very important question of the ghost of Christmas future. The question he asked was, are these things that will be or might be? When he was being shown these pictures of how what the people were saying, his own death, um, all of these, he wanted to know, is this a future that is set and determined, or is this something that can be changed? And I think that's really the same question for each one of us. Um, you notice that he didn't answer, he didn't get an answer from the ghost, um, but we know that if he continues his current path on that course, he's going to die a lonely man. No one will miss him. Um, Tiny Tim also dies. And I, one of the things that kind of occurred to me, and if, if you know me well, you know that I'm not always the brightest bulb in the box, um, but <laughs> I was looking at the time frame of it. It, I, I wonder if Scrooge was actually supposed to die either that night or very soon after that. Because when you look at the, the video clip, Tiny Tim was a child. He was still the same age as he was at that moment. Um, 
You know, so there's a sense of urgency in all of this, too, when he asks about whether or not these things actually can be changed. Um, the fact remains is, is that there is a sense of urgency. There's a sense of urgency, honestly, for each one of us because we don't know our future. We, don't, we are not guaranteed our next breath, our next day. Um, in James chapter 4, it tells us clearly we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out the door. Um, we're told that our life is very much like a mist that appears for a little time and vanishes. Mist is like dew. It's something that rich Christians don't know anything about, what dew and mist is. Believe me, we don't know what that is. Um, but it's something that's here for a very short period of time, and then it's gone. And so instead of, instead of making all these grand plans, we need to be saying, if God wills, if it is the Lord's will that we can do this or that, so there is this sense of urgency. And, and if we really stop and think about it, today is actually the future. Okay, so follow me for just a second. On December 9th in the year 2000, today was the future. So 23 years later, if you look at your life, um, does your life currently look the way you thought it would? Did you accomplish the goals that you were hoping to have back then? Um, is your life better than you thought it would be? I'm sure that is much the case for many people. And maybe for some of us, it's, an, it's, it's worse than we thought it was going to be. So we, when we look at what our future will look like if we change nothing about ourselves, what is our future going to look like if we don't change any of our current health choices? What is our future going to look like if we do not change how we view or handle money? What is it going to look like if we don't change how we treat people, our, our husband, our wife, how we parent? What is going to, what is going to look like if we never, um, if we refuse to forgive people who have hurt us or we don't ask people that we have hurt for forgiveness? What are people going to say at our funeral? You know, and, and, and I think that kind of hones it, that hones it in and you know, as a church, we do a lot of memorials here, and I, it is always a joy, such a joy, when we have the, the opportunity to do a celebration of life where we know the person absolutely loved the Lord and they were faithful to him, and we can stand in confidence knowing that they are now at peace with God. But it is, on the other side of it, so incredibly painful when we talk to a family and ask them to, to tell us about their loved one if we don't know them, and they don't have much to say, or they don't have anything good to say. That is incredibly difficult. And so we have to understand that when we do leave this world, we do leave an impact, an, an imprint, a legacy, so to speak. Um, so as we contemplate this question about our future, um, we need to look at what Jesus teaches us about the certainty of what we can know. Since we're, we're not going to be getting any visitors um, from beyond the grave, I hope, <laughs> please, we don't want any of that, to tell us we can look to Jesus' words to tell us what we can know. What we do know is death is certain. That is a given. What we need to know for certain is where we are going to spend eternity. And so this is really kind of what Scrooge was facing. And, real, and let me help us understand, there's only two choices. We live in a world that teaches us there are multiple things. A lot of people will say you just, it's lights out, you don't know what's happening, um, you know, whatever the case may be. But biblically speaking, there are only two choices, heaven or hell. 
that's it for our, as far as our eternal future is concerned. And so when we look at that, we have two paths. We have a choice of going into the wide path where Jesus says, he encourages us, he tells us, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. There is, it is so easy to go down that road. It doesn't mean life is going to be easy, but this is the way the world wants us to go. This is the belief system of the world. This is the way the world handles things. This is the way how the world says to have fun and how to handle our relationships. So many people are going that direction. The narrow gate, or the narrow gate is the way that leads to life, and there are very few that find that. So really, for each one of us, we can see that looking into our future, we, we will come to a fork in the road. I believe that all of us have come to that fork in the road. Um, we understand that apart from Christ, um, based on this, apart from Christ, our eternal future is actually quite grim. Romans 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the moment sin entered the world from the very beginning, death entered the world, both physical and spiritual death. So the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. That is the narrow path. And so God loves us so much. He created us for a way for us to live. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we have those beautiful children up here on stage doing their Christmas program is because God gave us that path. However, if a person chooses to go down that wide path, if we reject Christ's gift, if we choose to change nothing in our lives, what can we expect for our eternal future? And this is where it gets a little bit, a little bit difficult, really. I mean, and I kind of feel bad because I, I don't want you guys to get the idea that this is like a super doom and gloom, you know, uh, message here. But we have to understand the, the importance of having the information in our hands. And so Jesus, again, these are Jesus' words as he teaches us what we can expect should we choose to reject him. What we can expect is we see that it says the Son of Man sends his angels and gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin, lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the other verse in Revelation says, those who are cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, which is really um, basically like magic that also includes drugs, um, idolaters, liars, that they will be, have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Well, that's not good news. That really isn't good news. I don't believe anybody wants that. Nobody wants that. But here's the thing. Hell is real. Many people just, we don't like to talk about it. Even pastors, some pastors and teachers absolutely refuse to talk about the reality of hell because in sin because it's so negative. Well, it is, but it's a reality. I mean, and the, the truth of the matter is, is that there's only, there was a poll done um, by Arizona Christian University. They're a very solid um, organization that does all kinds of different um, surveys and puts reports together. Um, the, one, the one that I'm going to mention, actually, I put the link inside of your um, insert, and then it's also available on the website. But only out of all the pastors that they polled, only 37% of pastors hold a biblical worldview, which includes the reality of hell. So 
there's, there's, there's a disconnect here. And, and the thing is, is that this isn't a turn or burn. I'm, you know, this isn't trying to scare people into, you know, a, a salvation moment. This is just simply trying to inform all of us. This is information. This is a choice. We live in a world that is all about the right to choose. And if there was ever an important subject about the right to choose, this is it. So when, it talks, when we talk about this, we, we have to understand, we have to face it. And the reality that we potentially face, should we choose to reject Christ? Should we choose to change nothing about ourselves? Now, there's a second issue here, is that if we were to reject Christ and change nothing about ourselves, how might that impact the future of, the future of other people? How is that going to change those, how, the people inside of our lives? We saw in the movie that if, if uh, Scrooge didn't change his ways, it was a set deal that Tiny Tim was going to die. So we have to understand that our, our lives, how we live, our, our choices are also going to impact other people. And again, we can see this, um, taking, to take that stand purposely, we'll take a look at this passage out of Ezekiel. Purposely choosing not to warn people becomes our sin. We have a responsibility. I take this very seriously. God tells Ezekiel, which is a prophet in the Old Testament, he was a prophet for, for Israel. God tells him, when you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them a warning from me. God is saying, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you don't tell them what I'm telling you in order to save his life, two things are going to happen. One, the wicked person is going to die in their sin, but his blood will be required at your hand. Now, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. We are not responsible for the choices that other people make. We cannot control the choice that, they can't, that they're going to make, but we can control us giving them the good news of Jesus Christ. This is, this is the potential impact that we have on other people. If we choose to ignore the needs of others, temporal, physical, and spiritual, their greatest need is to know Christ. And then beyond that, when on this planet, on this earth, in our time right now, is being able to meet the needs of others. And so serving others really turns into the fact that Jesus tells us that when we serve other people, we are actually serving him. He tells the people, he said, he's, he's going to tell them, he says, when I was hungry, you gave me no food. This is the person who makes no change. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. When I was sick and in prison, you did not come visit me. And the people will say, when did we see you this way, Lord? We don't understand. We don't remember seeing you this way. And he says, when you did not do this for the least of these, you did not do this for me. And so we have to keep in mind that serving other people is serving Jesus. So when Justin was talking about the fact that we've got Christmas food baskets coming up, we have the opportunities to gift wrap um, angel tree gifts and go and deliver them. Um, the, the, so many things that we get to do here as a church is that is giving us the opportunity to be able to serve Christ. These, these things aren't for us. We don't do it for us as a church. Um, we like being able to be present in the community so that if people decide that they want to know God, you know, it, we would be privileged to be able to walk with them in that. 
But this is for the opportunities for you guys, for other people to be able to be used by God to help change others. And so this, you know, this is kind of what we're looking at if we choose that wide path, if we decide that we are going to change nothing about ourselves. But we have to have a little bit of hope here, right? We absolutely need the hope because there is hope. Because remember, there's a choice. There's two paths. We are not left here. So what we also find out is that if we choose that narrow path, what might our preferred future look like, assuming we make some changes? Well, this changes everything. But let's go back to what Ezekiel says. Ezekiel says that when a wicked person turns away from their wickedness, if they decide to repent, if they decide to choose Christ, when we decide to lay down our lives and choose Christ and go the other direction and stop our sinful ways, our life will be saved. We shall surely live. And this is a spiritual life, not, not physical, but a spiritual life. And so we see that that narrow path brings hope and brings life. And one of the reasons that it is so important for us to understand this is because we want to be sure, I want to be sure to help us understand, God does not send people to hell. And that is one of the biggest challenges that so many people have with Christianity is that feeling, that thought that God is condemning people to hell and sending them to hell, and he's not. He doesn't want anybody to go which is why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. He sent him in the form of, this, of an infant. He entered into our history, into humanity, in the form of an infant child so that we might live. It is a choice. It is our choice. And so for Scrooge, you know, he wasn't shown an alternate ending, but he knew where he was headed if things didn't change. You know, and like I said, I think we all come to that fork in the road at some point inside of our lives. Um, uh, in my own life, um, I've shared this many times, and so forgive me if you've heard it a million times, but my fork in the road, the defining moment for me was many years ago, it was back in like 1997, um, God gave me a glimpse into my eternal future. Um, at the time, I had been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. I had been suffering for many years, and through complications and a bunch of stuff that happened, um, I had gotten to a point where I ended up with perforated bowel, and I almost died. At that point, I was at home. Um, the pain that I was experiencing was the worst pain I'd ever felt in my entire life. I, I honestly didn't know what was going to happen. It was so bad that I just asked God, I said, please either just heal me or kill me now because it was that bad. But there was one problem. I had accepted Jesus as my savior when I was in fourth grade. Did not live the life of a Christ follower. A lot of it was lack of knowledge. I was a child. My family didn't go to church. Um, so I, I didn't really know, but I did certainly at that point in my life at, at the age of 28 years old, I considered myself a Christian, even though I hadn't been living that way. So the thought occurred to me, if God did decide to give me my, my, you know, my request and kill me at that moment, I was not, I was not convinced that had I died, I would have gone to heaven. I, and that terrified me, but I couldn't figure out why. But it was in that moment, at my deepest, darkest place of pain and despair and fear, at rock bottom, he showed me what grace was. 
Because it was at that moment, just that still thought in my mind when it was like, Lord, I haven't been perfect. I don't think I would go to heaven. And literally, it wasn't a literal voice, but in my heart and mind, he's like, Dion, you could have been a perfect person and you would have never made it to heaven. Because that's not what grace is about. Grace isn't about us acting perfect. In fact, it's in spite of it. You know, I thought I had been a Christian all my life, but looking at what was happening then, my priorities were so out of whack. My, my um, attitude, my behavior, the sins in my life, my anger towards my husband and towards the kids, they were little at the time. It was just, it was too much. God gave me a chance to change. He gave me a glimpse into my future, but it took a severe time in order for that to happen. But it was through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, that showed me it wasn't dependent on me. It was dependent on him. In fact, we're told that God shows us his love for us and that while we are in that moment, while we are in our absolute ugliest place, Christ died for us so that we can be saved and justified by his blood and, and saved from the wrath of God. And that it is by grace, by faith in that grace, that we are saved. It's nothing that we can do. It's nothing that we can earn. God does this for us. And so from that moment on, the years afterwards, God changed my heart. God, and because he was changing my heart, what was happening is my marriage was beginning to change. How I parented was beginning to change. And, it, and it's a process. It's not perfect. It was a process. It still is a process. I am still learning. I am still growing. He is still working things out of me that I didn't even realize was there still. But we're, we're going through this, and, and this is what he offers us. This is our other possibility, our other potential future. And scarier than that was the question that when I, if, when I asked myself what my life would have looked like had I changed nothing, had nothing been any different from that moment, it absolutely terrifies me because I know I was already struggling with severe depression, so that would have probably continued. Um, my husband, well, I, I, I think you know this, babe. Um, I was considering divorce. <laughs> we, we were in a rough spot. We were really struggling. I was struggling. And good chances are, had I kept going, I probably wouldn't be here today. And see, if you think about it, I think every single person sitting here tonight has been given a glimpse into your future by the Lord probably well more than once. We can probably look into our past and think of those moments where we realize now, yeah, God was trying to get my attention. You know, it might have been that close call at the red light. It could have been that heart attack that you survived. It could have been all kinds of things. But really the fact is, is that what are we doing with it? You know, when we, when we read that Bible verse, it leaps out off of the page and kind of like, Ksh, you know, gets us because we hear God telling us, this needs to change. I love you. And so this is, this is what we get to look at. And so when we choose that, when we choose the narrow path, we understand that our eternal future changed, our eternal future changes. We, what happens is that we become a new creation, the old is past. The old is gone. You know, the, the, the sins of the past are forgiven. They are gone. They are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When we repent and we, we submit ourselves to him completely. 
And what changes in our eternity is instead of a future of, of spending eternity in, in, you know, the pain and the suffering and the misery of hell, of that weeping and gnashing of teeth and all of that, because it's not a party where all of our friends are going to be. It's a real horrible place. Instead, on the narrow path, our future could look like what we see in, um, in uh, Revelation 21, where we see that God will dwell with us. He will dwell with us and we with him and we are going to be his people and he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's the future that I want. I think that's the future that all of us want is that we get to spend eternity with Christ in that kind of new reality. And so our eternal future changes, but not only that is that when we change, we also have the, how, how is our change going to impact those around us? And so this is for the hope that for the time that we have on this earth, because when we change and we start looking at how we can change our future, it can actually, you know, like a stone into being thrown into a lake and that ripple effect, we can change actually the trajectory of another person's life. I mean, just think about it this way. These kids that were up here on stage are here because of families that are bringing their kids to church. You guys are working on teaching your children what it means to love and serve and follow Christ. You are changing, potentially changing their future by arming them with the tools to, serve, to, to follow and commit to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and be able to walk through a very dark world with the tools that it takes to be able to stand firm. That's incredible. These, because those kiddos, they are our future. And so we see that on the flip side of Matthew 25, when Jesus was saying, you did not do when I was sick and in prison and hungry and thirsty, and you didn't do this. Now we have the other side of it where he says, those who did offer him food and drink and warmth and clothing and compassion and visited that those when we did it to the least of these we did it to the lord we did it to him and this is this is where we have the opportunity to impact the future of other people as we deliver those food baskets, as we deliver those gifts to angel tree families, as we, you know, as we interact with the community around us, we have the potential of being that stone in the pond and creating a ripple effect. Now, I will say this, there's a caveat to it. We have to be cautious about filling our time with good deeds while actually neglecting the need to resolve any personal issues that we may have. We can't, we, can't, uh, we can't forget to make sure that we pay attention to those things because now, as a Christ follower, we have the, the privilege and the ability to, re, to be able to be at peace with people as, as much as is possible with us, that as far as it depends on us to live peaceably with all. Jesus also tells us that if we, if we go to the altar, if we come to church, if we're delivering a basket, if we're cleaning the bathrooms, if we're serving up in promised land, whatever we may be doing, and suddenly remember, oh, wait a minute, so-and-so has something against me. We have a little bit of an issue. His, his command is, is that we need to, as soon as possible, he says, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to that person, then come back. We have to be so careful that we don't... Um, 
think that our service is going to cover things that we have not dealt with yet. It's just, it's beautiful because remember, if we extend forgiveness, if we approach our work, if we view those who are stuck in sin, as we look at our, our marriages, our parenting, and we do what these verses are saying, to be, to be able to resolve any issues that are there, to be able to extend any forgiveness and ask for forgiveness, we offer those people healing and hope. We can't control how, they, how they're going to accept it, whether they accept it or not. But we can potentially change their future. Now, next week, um, we're going to see how these three visits from the ghosts impacted Scrooge when um, Bill is going to talk more detail about what his change looked like um, and then potentially what if Charles Dickens himself actually changed as a person. Um, but as we close tonight... When we think about these two paths, regardless of where we are right now, whether we are a Christian faithfully walking with the Lord, maybe we're here for the first time or we're exploring Christianity, trying to figure out what all of this stuff is. Um, we might be that person who's new to Christianity. We're still struggling with a sin or a habit or facing the fear of having those hard conversations asking somebody for forgiveness, facing past hurts. But we still need to ask ourselves, if I change nothing about my life right now, what will my future look like? What potentially will the future of those around me as well look like? And as we hear from God's word in Deuteronomy, he says, today we have been set before us life and death, blessing and curse. So the hope and the prayer is, is that we would choose life to live a life with no regrets, to have the conversations that we wish we could have now. Don't, don't wait until it's too late. Take action on the things that we can. Don't live a life of shoulda, coulda, woulda, because that it can be a painful life, and we can never get that time back. So hopefully we can learn from Scrooge's ghost of, uh, ghost of Christmas future um, as we look into our own future this Christmas. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you do give us a glimpse into the fact that we have the ability to choose our future. We may not know the details of each day that goes by, but what is the most important is how we will choose to spend our eternity um, with you prayerfully, um, how we can lead and encourage others to you as well. And so, Lord, we just thank you so much for that. Um, this, is a hard, this is a hard message, um, but Lord, you love us enough to give it to us, and so we thank you for that, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, sir. Hello, Dion. It's Saturday night, so we're taking questions up here, and we have two ways to do that. You can send one into the text phone, or you can ask it live, and we have one on the text phone. It has finally happened. Uh -oh. I'm going to be able to answer it. Okay. I can do this oh. <laughs> one. What time's Christmas Eve service? Well, we're going to have two. One is on December 23rd at 5.30 p.m. The other one is on December 24th at 10.30 a.m. So technically, one's a Christmas Eve Eve service. Yes, it is. I got it. Perfect. <laughs>